I was introduced to a retired pastor and his wife through a mutual friend. I'll call them George and Barbie. He was retired for a number of years. He had some medical issues. And we spent some time on the telephone talking about his medical problems. He and his wife would send his laboratory results by email to me. I would take a look at things and give him some advice. It became evident to me, as I began to question George a little more, that his retirement wasn't voluntary. He actually was pushed out of his church. And it's actually well documented that our emotional life, our spiritual life, our social life, impacts our physical health. And so as I began to question George a little more and learn more about his story, I became became more convinced that his high blood pressure, his cancer diagnosis, uh, his stroke probably had something to do with what he had gone through at the church. So after probably 10 hours or so of talking with him on the phone, I began to ask him, George, do you think that your, anything that you're suffering, your high blood pressure, the medical diagnosis is is hypertension? Hypertension. Does it have anything to do with what you went through with the church. Are there any issues back there that you may need to process, you may need to deal with? George said, that's possible. And I suggested to him to write out what happened and how it felt to be asked to leave the church or pushed out of the church by a man who was very ambitious, very political, and wanted George out. Now, George had a very sensitive spirit, a gentle man. He was a a Bible teacher, wasn't particularly ambitious, but he did want to see this church flourish. And he had built up the church. In fact, they had started a new church building And just about the time they moved into the new building, this younger pastor, we'll call him Carl, decided it was time to make his move, and he turned the staff against George. And George, the way he put it is that he he didn't want to cause a confrontation. He didn't want to have a church split. So basically, George just left out the back door. He gave the congregation some excuse about needing to go travel some more, needing some more time for his family, and he just quietly left. But inside, he was very angry with this other pastor, 
And you could presume why. You would, you would understand that. So I said to George, who was a you know, longtime Bible teacher, look, write a letter to God. Why don't you get your feelings down on paper? Get it out of you and onto the paper. Because I could tell that George was hesitant to express anger. Because many of us have learned in our childhood or in our churches or in our families, expressing anger is always wrong. I said, well, George, certainly there are boundaries, but let's just write a letter to God. He, he knows what you're thinking. Just write it down. Tell him why you're upset. Tell him what happened and why it hurt, how it hurt you, and process this with God. Get your anger down. So we hung up the phone. About two weeks later, uh, I called George again. was very curious how his letter was going. We got on the phone, a little bit of chit-chat. He had me on speakerphone, so Barbie was there. And when I asked George how his letter was going, his recording his anger, he said, don't you know the Bible speaks against anger? The Bible says that anger is like murder. We're never to have it. It gives the devil an opportunity. I said, well, yes, George, but, but Jesus was angry. He turned over the tables. He'd and Paul says that you can be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Yes, I understand anger can be dangerous, but holding it inside, we know from the medical field that stuffing your emotions also has a downside. Yes, raging, I agree, is not healthy. Violence, not healthy. But is there a healthy way to express your anger? I said Jesus was angry. Paul was angry. I said, we are made in the image of God, and God gets angry. And then I heard this from Barbie, this, ah, we are not God. And George said, you know, I have to go now. The conversation is over. And he hung up the phone. And I was just trying to process what had just happened. I was trying to help George with his anger. And now I was angry. I was trying to help someone. I was so looking forward to this conversation that he would have done something that would have been helpful to him. He absolutely refused to express his anger in any form, and his wife wanted to make sure he would never express that. And anyone who would suggest it, it was like some sort of heresy. Well, I thought, okay, this is a Bible scholar, I want to go look at what he was talking about, that murder and anger were the same thing. Because it doesn't make sense to me 
if there is a healthy way to express your anger, and if Jesus expressed it, Jesus was congruent. Everything he said and everything he did matched up exactly. He didn't say one thing and do something else. So I wanted to go look at this passage in the scripture. But I have to tell you, this was really irritating me. This, this conversation, I mean, I was really um, troubled by this. I, I was really offended, I'd have to say. I was really irritated. So I went to look at the passage of Scripture that talks about anger, and it is in the, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, now Jesus is speaking, but I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. There is the passage that George was saying, anger and murder are the same. Is that what Jesus is saying? I don't think so doesn't say anger and murder are the same. It says, if you murder, you are going to have to go to court for that. Why are you going to have to go to court? Because murder is so serious that you can't just do it and say that was nothing serious. You're going to have to go to court and you are going to be liable to judgment. Now, some translations actually mistranslate this and say you're going to be guilty before the court. That's not what it says. You're not automatically guilty if you murder. Why? Because there are some reasons, like self-defense, that they would say that was reasonable. We understand. You're not always guilty. But you are going to be liable to other people looking at what has happened and having them judge you. You're going to be liable to a court. And what he's saying about anger is the same thing. If you're angry, it is potentially so dangerous that you are going to be liable to a court. So be careful when you're angry. If you respond with your emotion and you start insulting people, if you insult people, it says, or you call them a name, you're going to be liable to the Supreme Court. The Sanhedrin is the word in the Greek, the, the Jewish council. Seventy people, you're going to be, it's going to be a very public event. If you start deciding to take this into your own hands and you are acting on your anger and you just want to hurt people. And then he says, if you call someone a fool, you potentially are liable to hell. That's some very strong language. It means anger is potentially a very serious problem. In Jesus' day, was anger a serious problem? Look, when he said something they didn't like, what did they do? They picked up stones to stone him. I think anger was a big problem. He's talking to people who have an anger problem. 
We're getting some taste of that today, but let's just imagine that we as a country were under Roman occupation. So it's bad enough paying your taxes to our government, but we would actually be paying them to Rome, who are here with extortion, with unfair practices, taxation without representation. It was the reason the American Revolution happened. The system was tremendously unjust. When the system from above is full of injustice, the people get very angry. Not only did they have Roman injustice, guess what they had? They had their own Israeli Jewish injustice, which Jesus becomes victim to. Corruption, money, basically a mock trial, middle of the night, using the Romans then sort of hand in hand to to get rid of him. Oh, yes, there were very angry people. And they picked up stones frequently to stone him. So he was trying to tell people, look, all this anger, it's not a good idea. So if you're going to be angry, I want you to think about this carefully. Now, did Jesus ever insult people? Did he ever call anyone a fool? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, perfectly congruent, cannot have meant you never call people to account. You never call a fool a fool because Jesus does it. And I'm going to read you some passages. Matthew chapter 23, verse 15 to 17. Listen to some of these insults. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? Are you catching some of the insults? Are you catching some of Jesus' confrontation of evil with his words? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Oh, Jesus has some strong words. I would even say he's angry. It would be very hard, actually, to read that passage without a tone of anger. I don't know how you could do it. So we have Jesus showing his anger, and yet we have him telling us, be careful. If you're angry... 
You're going to be liable for what you say and what you do in your anger. So I took that courtroom illustration of Jesus and I said, wouldn't it be a good idea if when we get angry, we take it to court before we react? And it just so happens we have a courtroom that's actually stacked in our favor. We have Jesus, the righteous judge, who said himself, God is giving all things to me to judge. He's going to be the judge. He has lived on earth. He understands human personalities. He understands abuse. He understands all kinds of things. He's going to be the judge. When he left, he said, I'm sending you a paraclete, a counselor, a comforter, a defense attorney, an advocate. I'm sending you someone to come alongside of you to help you in court. We have the Holy Spirit, who is our advocate, who will help us in this courtroom setting. And you get to have court privately, not publicly. Jesus is saying you're liable to court, which means it's going to be a public disgrace if you have acted improperly, unrighteously. You've just acted out of emotion. And I know most of us can think of an incident where we overreacted because we didn't have all the information wouldn't it have been nice if we could have taken that to court and had found out before we overreacted what you find out in a court, which is what? Oh, the other side has a case too. This is what they were thinking. This is what they meant to say. These are the facts relevant to the case. You see, in a court... How much do they care about your emotion in court? Not so much. What do they care about? The facts. But some interesting facts they want to know. Different facts relevant to the case. What was your state of mind? What was the other person's state of mind? I remember even the, the, the policemen, when they investigate an accident, they want to know, yeah, where was the sun shining? Was it in your eyes? A lot of facts relevant to a case which can cause us a lot of emotion, but once you hear the other side, you might be less anxious to go to court. In fact, one of Jesus' sayings is, make peace with the person on the way to court, or you could have trouble later on. Well, I want us to try this courtroom incident. I'll take you through. I decided, well, let me take George and Barbie to court because I'm angry with them. And let me get an opinion from God's courtroom, from my spiritual personal court, about what just happened so that I don't overreact and I don't lose any more sleep over this. This obviously was offensive to me. I spent a certain amount of time on this, and, and, but let's, let's 
get this in court. Let's sort this out. Well, the first thing, and I want you to be thinking about your incident. Is there a relationship in your life that hurts you? Most of us should have one. If not, wait a few months and one will come. I, I assure you, it's, it is part of life. That we go through cycles, everything's going well, and then all of a sudden we have something at work, something at home, family, neighbor, something is going to happen, and you're going to have a relationship that you don't understand why they don't understand your point of view. And what I want to do for us this morning in this class is just learn this exercise. Let's take this to court. Now, I'd have to say it's not the first thing you want to do when you're irritated is to take something to court. And that's why, does court happen right away? Your case doesn't show up right away, does it? You usually have a few months before you're going to be seen in court. And during that time, we generally cool down. So I can, I can tell you that I didn't really want to do this right away. I wanted to sit in my emotion. I was angry. It's okay. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be angry, but it's probably not wise to talk to the person while you're angry until you've been able to process this. Process it with God. And now I often process it with, with my wife, Naomi. We'll say, when, when one or the other of us is irritated, we'll say, hey, let's take that to court. And we'll help the other one See what happened and why you're angry and what, what's the truth about this situation. So when we go to court, the first thing that we have to know are the damages. What was lost? Well, George hurt my feelings because I spent 10 hours on the phone with him. I had invested in this relationship. I was giving him a lot of medical advice which he was taking. Very happy to have me give him medical advice. But when I decided to give him some spiritual advice, he said, no, I'm the expert at spiritual advice. That was offensive to me. What was the damages? Well, 10 hours of my time. Well, is there anything else? Now, when, when you're thinking of damages, you need to think of past sleep that I lost. I lost some sleep over this. It was irritating to me. And if you lose sleep, are you functioning well the next day? Usually not. So my life was affected. So these are th the kind of things that you can put into your damages to get an idea of what this has cost you. Because if we are going to end up with, I believe, the only proper way to deal with anger, and that is through true forgiveness, you need to know what you're forgiving. When I say forgiveness, it is not a blanket statement. Oh, yeah, that was fine. That was not fine. But forgiveness, I believe, is the only proper way to deal with anger, and it requires taking an account and then knowing that God is responsible for justice and you're going to trust him. That is why Jesus, 
who was so mistreated, was hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, it seemed like they knew exactly what they were doing. They had nails, they had hammers, they, were, uh, they put him right there. No, he said they, they don't. But the most important thing he was doing was getting it out of himself, all of this pain, and saying, I forgive them. This is between them and God now. This is between them and their Heavenly Father. I'm not hanging on to this. I don't need to exact justice from George. Jesus did not need to exact justice from the people who put him on the cross. And you don't need to exact justice from that person who has harmed you, offended you, irritated you, stolen money from you, taken your time, whatever. So I want to pause right now, and I want you to come up with a scenario in your mind. And I want you to understand, maybe scribble or talk among yourselves, the damages. Past, present, future. What did you, what did you lose? Time. Maybe some of us, for some of us, it, it's a relationship. Maybe it's a divorce. You, you lost your dreams. Maybe you lost some children in the divorce settlement. You were removed from your job. There was work that you enjoyed. You, you were released for some reason. Maybe there was a freedom that you enjoyed. Maybe social situation. You can't go back to that social circle. That church, you're, you're not welcome there anymore because your ex is there. There are a number of things. Maybe health. Maybe sleep. We're going to take a few minutes now. I want you to talk among yourselves about a situation Many of us are very, very angry. It's, it's, how we, it's how we live. But unless we actually say, honestly, what have I lost? We can't actually ask God to replace it. Because he says he's going to make all things new. He says all things work together for good. He is going to give us all perfect justice in this life or in the next one. In my case, if I was looking to George as a father figure, someone to, uh, to help me, counsel me, give me advice, just be there for me, was that wrong of me? No, that, that was a perfectly reasonable expectation that I had. But George never agreed to that. Nonetheless, I had dreams and hopes and aspirations that this relationship was going to mean something of a benefit to me. Whether it's reasonable or not, I want you to record what you lost, even if it was your dream or your hope. Because in God's economy, that's very important. And now I can go back and say, Father, would you send me another friend who wants to talk about spiritual things with me, someone who knows the scriptures, someone who will respect my opinion, and I can let George go. You see, when we assess our losses, our damages, now we can actually say, yeah, Father, this is what I want, and you don't need to bring it through that person, the person I've been looking for, for the person who offended me. You can bring it any way you want, but you're a good father, and this is what I'd like. I had a reasonable desire for this friendship, for this relationship. 
and it went south. Would you bring someone else along? I'm going to forgive George. I'm going to give you a few minutes right now. Go ahead and talk among yourselves. <laughs> 